I'm Jesse, And I'm Stephanie. We are two Arizona realtors who have built multi-million dollar businesses using only social media. And now we're bringing you our best kept secrets and social strategies to grow your small business online. So grab your coffee and a notebook and let's dive into Socially Modern. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Socially Modern Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie. And I am your host, Jesse. <laughs> I put a little bit of like spunk into that, so I felt yeah. like you mimicked it. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Give and take. <laughs> yin, and, yin and yang, remember? Yin and yang. We are so excited because today's episode, we are going to be talking um, all about... A variety of things because you guys asked us some questions and some awesome questions at that. So we have answers to those questions today on this episode. Yes. Yeah, so we, I swear I posted this question boxed forever ago. Forever ago. <laughs> and we collected some of your guys' questions and we're finally in a spot where we can sit down and actually record. It's been a beast to try and get in here and record you guys. I swear the universe is is conspiring against us. <laughs> we need to like get done. get our, our sage out and energize. <laughs> yeah. Cleanse um, the energy or something. Exactly. But we're so excited. We love answering questions. We do it all day long. And it just made sense to make a whole podcast episode dedicated to your guys' questions. So we're just going to jump right in and, and start and see where, see where it takes us. So Steph, you want to do this, bring in this first one? First question came in, um, and it was, do either of you own rental properties? The answer is not yet. Not yet. I did at one point, um, and it was like very early on in my real estate career, and it was an interesting experience, a lot of um, learning lessons in that. Uh, not so much as far as like actually being a, a property manager, because I actually hired that portion out. I have no interest in being a property manager. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of have this rule where I like to keep, uh, an arm's length distance from my tenants to me. I think that it keeps things professional and, um, I don't know, it just works out better. Mm. Right. Was that your first house? That was my first house. Yeah, so we had you... that and we just decided we were going to sell it. And it was actually my dad who like urged us just to rent it out and keep it for a while. So we did. And things were great for a while, but we had some interesting tenants and uh, they did not really treat our house with the kind of respect that we had hoped. Yeah. And that's pretty common. It does happen. So I definitely, you know, I'm going to put into play some better rules next time, but we kind of have our sights set more so on a vacation rental next. And I know that you have that same, same goal and aspiration in mind as well, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, my answer is I, I don't have any rental properties yet either. It's definitely on the list. Like that's the number one investment priority that me and my husband have. Like right now we're playing around in stocks because there's a lot lower barrier of entry to investing in stocks and stuff, but rental properties is absolutely our next goal. It's the next sure. step. Like our, our current house would make a fantastic rental. And so we actually just refinanced it with the hope that, you know, next year when we go to get into a bigger place or something, we can keep this one and, and use it as a rental because it really is such a good, a it good, will be. good size, good location. And you know, all that stuff for a prime rental properties. So. Definitely hang on to it if you can. We just had 
we just weren't in the right spot to be able to keep ours. I wish that we could have been, but it just didn't work out that it just wasn't the play that we had, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. going forward, oh my gosh, yeah. Next up on our list is is a cabin. Oh yeah. Yeah. I keep telling RJ sometimes I'd love to have a cabin up like Flagstaff and stuff and be able to escape and, a little bit mm-hmm. and then also have it rented out. It would be super fun. So yeah, definitely on that, on that radar that's coming up. That's definitely in like our short uh, goals list yeah. right now. Um, yes. Okay. It. So next question, question, Jesse. Yes. Yeah, so this one came in from Cooper Harris asking, how are you doing during this time? And the way I portray the question is more so, I don't know, just with COVID, I'm assuming, like that was how I took it and and the market and things like that. And honestly, I feel like coming into 2021, I feel like it's been a lot more difficult to get my buyers under contract than it ever was in 2020. And I don't know, I haven't really dug into why that's happening because I have qualified buyers and I'm writing strong offers, but it's just having a hard time getting people under contract, which in turn is giving me a little anxiety because I don't have any immediate closings. And I, this is how I make my living. It's how I buy groceries and pay my mortgage and all of this stuff. So I'm a little on edge, but I'm just trying to maintain a positive, abundant mindset. Like I've started writing down, there's an abundance of closings every morning during my morning routine to try and help bring in that kind of energy. So um, that's a good affirmation. Yeah. I just, I, I love affirmations. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but that's a big thing that I implemented last year when I was trying to find success in real estate. And so I, it absolutely makes sense now that I'm here to continue and use it. Yeah, no, definitely. I have, I have several sticky notes up um, around my desk Mm -hmm. with affirmations, but I liked that one specific. Mm -hmm. I love it. Feel free to steal it. And anybody listening, feel free to steal it. In the Arizona market. And I think just across the United States, I mean, we're experiencing, right. We have a lot of buyers and not enough sellers. Mm -hmm. And so it is becoming difficult and has been difficult at the beginning of 2021 to lock down a home quickly for our buyers. So I've even considered, you know, we're, we're giving um, an extended, an extended time frame for our buyers. Like maybe instead of me saying three months for going under contract and, and closing, maybe we need four months, Mm -hmm. you know, just that we have a little bit more buffer and time because we are having to write multiple offers and that's just all agents across the board. It's not, you know, specific, Oh, whatever one agent is experiencing that. Right. (laughs) It's just the freaking market right now. I find it interesting because I, every week I get these emails of market updates from like a title partner and I always pay attention more particularly to the Arizona updates. And I had read that just here in Arizona, after the crash happened in 2008 and the market kind of rebuilt itself, you know, there was a huge apprehension to start building again to try and you know, maintain just a a steady amount of building new homes and stuff. And just because of that, it caused for the last 10 years here in Arizona, a huge underbuild. And now it's kicking our asses. Right. Because they can't even keep up and new builds are so behind right now. Yep. COVID knocked them back even more so. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, I mean, definitely maintaining like a mind over matter in trying to stay obviously positive and in an abundance mindset. But I feel the same as Jesse. It can be really frustrating mm -hmm. as a buyer's agent right now because our clients are writing really strong offers, above asking offers, putting in extra money, and you know that still may not win it in a lot yep. of a lot of cases because there's 25 offers. Yeah, and 10 of them are cash. I got an email last night from because I had submitted an offer for clients last night or yesterday and they reviewed them last night and I got an email from the listing agent they had 27 offers on that house and that's not even the most I've seen no in my experience but it's just it just goes to show it's just insane it's just insane prepping all of our buyers and you probably are too if you're an agent listening right now and you're experiencing the same things make sure that you're prepping your clients for the multiple offer situation and you're telling them early on in your buyer consultations that hey, this is the market right now and it's not uncommon for us agents to be writing multiple offers. So while it may sting a little bit when we don't get an offer, don't feel like that's not normal. It is part of the process right now and I just love to give all of my clients a heads up. Yeah, I'm very upfront about my about the market to my clients. I'm like, listen, it's tough. Uh, it takes persistence. And I tell my clients, I'm like, these are the things that you honestly need to have in order in order to make strong offers. Like, here in Arizona and Phoenix, we can't be asking sellers for closing costs. So if that's something that you were planning on doing, we'll need to rethink that strategy because you will lose every offer hand over fist <laughs> if you're asking the sellers to help pay for your closing costs. So, you know, anything can happen, of course, but that's just where we're at. And I'm just upfront and blunt and people probably take it the wrong way, but I'm just like, I'm not doing my job if I'm not prepping you and giving you a good idea of what the market looks like right now. Right. I always tell my clients too, like, I don't mean to come off as like a doomsdayer, but it is my job to let you know, like all the different possibilities and scenarios. Like that is really our job. I feel like as real estate agents is, is thinking through every which way that this could potentially go. Yeah. And then sharing <laughs> that and being like, just so you know, like this is, this is how it could, could go. It could play like this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> We're your coach. It's like, I'm a coach of football, but it's real estate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thinking through the plays. Okay. So, next one. Next question. I feel like we answered that. <laughs> that was, we went that on was, to it a little bit. We, see, we got off track. But this is the whole point of a question and answer is it's just super even more casual than what we usually are. And it's just like, let's just it's chat, just chit chat, grab a coffee. Okay. So moving on to the next question. And I, I didn't say the first name on the, the first <laughs> okay. question, but Jesse did. So from Heather Reeves, realtor, how long did it take you to build your social media to be consistent getting leads? There's no universal like response for that because everybody is different and it, it depends. Like, are you an agent who moved to a new state and a new city and you're really trying to like build your following completely from scratch like Jesse was doing? Mm -hmm. You know, that took that takes a little bit longer, right? Mm -hmm. I had already been living here since I was seven and I had a good you know, a following that was local in general. And then of course, when we start in real estate, right? Our sphere of influence, we talk about that too, is always your best um, starting point. And so I already had that. So my first year I was able to successfully close some deals kind of quickly. Um, 
but sometimes it can take a little bit longer. So, so Jesse and I always just say like, as long as you're putting in the work and you're being consistent, even when you're getting nothing, it's crickets, Mm -hmm. just know that the people that win, like something that I always told myself was like the people that are most successful and the people that always win, no matter what business they're in are the people that just do it anyways. Mm -hmm. They They just keep going. They just never quit. Yep, exactly. (laughs) And they're the ones that, that win at the end of the day. You can't beat someone that doesn't quit. Exactly. (laughs) So I don't know, maybe you have something to add to that, but yeah, I mean, like when I'm looking specifically at my timeline, so I mean, I got my license about two years ago and right about that time I had less than a thousand followers and now I'm right under 14,000 followers and I never expected to be here, to be honest, to have a large following on Instagram. Um, I feel like I was, I steadily grew a little bit through 2019 and beginning of 2020. And I found myself stuck like right around like 3000. It was getting really frustrating. I was like, I just, (laughs) I'm stuck here. I can't get past it, whatever. And then, you know, I started using reels and that's when I started to get a huge, uh, influx of new followers and stuff. And so I'm grateful for that. But I mean, I went pretty much all of 2019. Here's how I worked it in 2019. I would follow local people, right? Because just like you mentioned, I moved to Arizona in June of 2018, got licensed less than a year later, didn't know anybody. I don't have, I didn't have friends here. I had previous coworkers, you know, so I had to build everything from scratch. So I would find people that lived in the area. I'd follow them on Instagram. I'd engage with them a little bit, comment on their posts, like their posts, watch their stories and respond and things like that. And then I would get to a point where I'd send them a DM and say, hey, I'm I'm brand new to the area. I'm just trying to meet people. I was wondering if you wanted to go get coffee sometime. And so I would do, I did that all through 2019. I would message these people and then I would go get coffee with them and I would just chat with them. It was never like, hey, do you need to buy or sell a house right now? No. It was always just... Hey, I'm just getting to know people, you know, relationships. And when I think about some of those, yeah, some of those relationships, like I have, uh, I have clients now who are like wanting to buy this year that I met with two years ago, you know? So, I mean, that's what I did in 2019. And then of course, 2020 pushed us all to be virtual because we couldn't go out and do things. So, I don't know. It, it, it takes time. It really does just take time for me. It was about a year, year and a half before I started consistently getting people finding me on social media. But I mean, everybody is different. Honestly, I would say this is kind of the roadmap for me too. It was my first few years on social media, Instagram it was slow going as far as growth goes, but I was really happy with my following even at 4,000 followers. I had 4,000 for a long time, kind of like Jesse. Like I just could not seem to get past <laughs> that amount for a while. Um, and I was really happy with it because I would go and look at my insights and, you know, 75, 80% of my following were all really, really local to where I live, like within miles of where I live, right? In those cities. And so that made me really happy. And 75% of them too were also female. Mm -hmm. And knowing your niche in a previous episode that we've talked about, Mm -hmm. you know, I resonate really well with, of course, other women and a lot of times other moms, other wives. And so um, my following was really niched down and awesome for me. 
And so I had no problem once that was kind of where I was at, like connecting with other people like that and starting to get leads. But um, over the course of 2020, and just of course, Jesse and I have have pushed ourselves a lot and uh, TikTok for Jesse, Reels came out um, and we both experienced a lot of growth with our social media accounts in 2020. And now, um, you know, I think both of us, we both have calendar links in our milk, in our milkshake websites. Mm -hmm. And I will regularly have booked appointments with people that I maybe haven't even ever spoken to before. (laughs) They just, they go on now and they book appointments. Mm -hmm. And so getting to that point has been really awesome, but I'm four years into this and I have been cultivating my social media account for the entire four years. Yeah. So it's taken time to get to that level. I remember being two years in and being like, oh, wow. You know, like one day it'll be really nice when people are just like booking (laughs) appointments with me. And today I was actually thinking about that and I was like, oh, this is nice. Like I wake up and there's a couple of emails that say my calendar links have been booked. You made it. I made it. (laughs) I did it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, you just, uh, above all, you just have to be consistent. Like I, I wish I could just hammer that into your little brain right now. Are you listening to this? But like consistency and just consistency and consistency. (laughs) Exactly. Like, like I always say, you know, it's the same with any kind of prospecting, right? If you're into door knocking, you are out there probably door knocking multiple times a week. Mm -hmm. If you're an open house person, like I know somebody who does this and they set goals for themselves. They're like, I'm going to do 30 open houses in 30 days. Whoa. Yeah. I know somebody who did this. Like it was like a challenge (laughs) and I'm like, you go girlfriend, but that is not my jam at all. At all. I set my, I set up other things. I'm like, I'm going to post a reel every day this week. Woo. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's all, it's all. Yeah. I mean, you're exactly right. It doesn't matter what type of lead generation form. It doesn't matter what type of business you're in, what you do for a living. It all comes down to consistency niche down in it, decide what is going to be your method and, and seriously like own it, mm-hmm. make it yours. You should be online studying that all the time. My first, even today, but more so in my first few years, I would follow so many people and pick apart like how they were getting business, um, like coaches and marketing people and yeah. just all kinds of people. Right. And I, I would just study their pages and take apart things that I liked about it and things that maybe I didn't like, and then try things on my own page. And then I'd be like, well, that didn't work. Or I'd say this probably needs more time, Yeah, you know, and just, just do it, like study the crap out of it, just mm-hmm. like you would anything else. Yep. Boom. Okay. Next one. Mrs. Ashley Farquhar. I'm so sorry if I butchered your last name, please. DM me and tell me how to correctly pronounce that because I will. I'm, I'm the worst sorry. too. Anyway, she asked for uh, tips for converting followers into clients without scaring them off. Um, this is a, such a good one. I really think that oh, like big picture, it's just you being you and you showing up authentically on your social platforms and talking about yourself. Like, I don't know. I have dogs. I'm married, you know, horses. And like, I've just gone on and like ranted about some things before. And you'll just, you never know what people are going to connect with, connect 
to you with is not even how you say it. I don't know. <laughs> you just, you never know what people, what's going to resonate with people. And so I just think that's the biggest thing that I've done for my following is I've just been myself. I've just been Jesse. I've just talked about things that are important to me. I've just gone on and, and been consistent, of course, you know, and I'll, I'll talk about, I'll go on stories and I'll talk about real estate topics or I'll just go on stories and, and bullshit with, you you know, whatever's going on. Right. <laughs> but I, I would say that's my biggest tip is showing up, being authentically yourself and engaging with your audience. Like when people DM you, DM them back. When people comment, comment them back, you know, and ultimately you're going to build that like, no and trust factor, which will ultimately turn people into clients. And it's a very non-pressure type of way, just like you were saying, Stephanie, you have people who you haven't even talked to before that feel comfortable enough to go into your milkshake link and schedule a calendar appointment with you, you know? And that's the whole point is when you are either door knocking or open housing or cold calling, you have a two minute time frame where you have to build all of this rapport with the person on the other end and get them to like, know, and trust you in two minutes. And that's all the time that you have. Or 30 seconds before they slam the door exactly. in your face. <laughs> or hang up, right? Like, it, like two minutes is like very yeah, generous. It is very generous. But, <laughs> but on social media, every time I show up on my stories, I'm writing posts, I post in my feed, I'm filming reels or posting reels or whatever, I'm building that rapport with my audience. And so people will come to my buyer consultations or seller consultations and they'll already know so much about me that I don't even feel like I need to introduce myself. Exactly. We've always said too, you know, um, social media is just a much faster uh, means of transportation to getting that no like, and trust factor. Mm -hmm. And so I agree with jo Jesse wholeheartedly on that. You know, um, I show up, I talk a lot about, you know, my own hobbies and my family, and we have these, what we call connection points. Yes. <laughs> Things that people <laughs> already connect with us on. And so they feel comfortable speaking with us. And then when the conversation turns to real estate, um, they already know what they're getting with us because we've probably already shared like, hey, this is what happens when you book a buyer consultation with me. Um, and so it's not as scary because they they know exactly what they're getting from us because we talk about it so much. Yeah. So, you know, if you're if you're feeling like your clients are are scared of you, maybe it's because they don't know what they're getting from you. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand the value in whatever it is that you're trying to bring to them. Okay, next question from Tay Porter. Um, she said, when marketing on two different platforms, do you post the same content on both or mix it up? Oh, I have like so many different versions of answers for this, but um, I do not like to post all the time the exact same thing like for instance on my Instagram that I do on my Facebook page but I do it sometimes so it just depends I mean go where your followers are and be there for them for me that's Instagram so I focus majority of my effort and my energy to Instagram um, I do have it auto post over to my business page but I really don't get much from my business page on Facebook anyways it's just more so to keep that page active and rolling um, in my opinion yeah <laughs> and have my reviews and that kind of thing but for the most part all of my contacts all of my clients they're all coming from Instagram. And so that's where I focus my energy. I don't really care too much about the Facebook page world. Mm -hmm. 
I'm very similar in that. Like I spend a lot more time, energy and, um, you know, resources on Instagram. And that's where a lot of people do find me. It's nice because uh, my TikTok is actually more, I'm seeing that it's more of an evergreen type of um, of platform versus Instagram, where it seems like once your post is is has been up for like two or three days, very rarely do people go back and see it. It won't pop up in people's feeds anymore. Whereas on TikTok, I'm, when I go and I check my notifications over there, I'm getting people that are seeing that content six months after the fact, right. you know, and things like that. So for me, um, my main two platforms are Instagram and TikTok. Um, I mentioned, I think in the last episode that I haven't really done a lot on TikTok lately. And um, I actually am thinking I might want to kind of revamp that a little bit. But in that case, I can repurpose my TikToks for my reels so that I'm not having to you know, come up with new material, twice as much content, you know? Right. And so, but it, it, when I even do that, I'm not posting to TikTok and then posting to real the same time. It's usually like, all right, now I'm going to yeah, bank this. And I just have a big bank account, if you will, of reels and stuff that I can go pull from when it's like, oh, I should post a reel today or whatever. I've been, I started doing that a little bit. I'm taking some of my older reels because I focused more on reels and I'm putting those over on TikTok slowly. (laughs) But you know, I don't know. I still just Instagram it has been more dialed in for me and it's working. So that's where I focus my, my energy and my efforts. Facebook is great to reach, like, in my opinion, your family and friends and maybe the older generations. And so I do sometimes post some of the same material over there because some of them are not on Instagram, so they don't see it. Yeah. But I think ultimately you don't want to create too much work for yourself. So don't feel like you need to post separate content. If you need to alter it for the platform, like take an Instagram post and then alter it a little bit to fit on Facebook, like do that because that takes a lot less time and energy than it would be to create a whole new post. So don't create twice as much work for yourself, but it definitely like doesn't hurt to just repurpose the content from one platform to another. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Okay. Next one. Jen Valerie asked, what does your schedule look like? Time blocking tips for new agents for scheduling. So this actually, Stephanie and I have been together all morning before we were recording, but this reminds me of that Instagram post you shared with me this morning about (laughs) um, just being resourceful and whatnot. Um, in real estate, every single day looks different. Like I have not had two days that look the same since I became a real estate agent. Um, my schedule, I mean, I guess more, more or less my morning routine. I'm usually up by five 30 in the morning. Um, I usually block from about five 30 till about seven to be at the gym, come home. Um, I'll then, you know, feed my dogs and then go wash my face, get ready for the day. And then usually about eight o'clock, eight 30, I'm starting my work day. And that usually means, you know, checking emails, posting to Instagram, catching up on DMS and whatnot. And then I usually create a to-do list of like, do I need to follow up with clients? Do I need to be on the MLS? You know, what do I need to kind of get done. And I try to blow through that in the morning because that's when I'm most productive. But then there's a lot of times where like creating content, you know, comes into play. I don't create content every single day. I batch that. Um, 
you know, sometimes exactly. I, sometimes I have multiple calls throughout the day and I can't touch my buyer or can't touch my to-do list or something. So my schedule is always going to look very different. I do like to time block for things like creating content, writing captions, batching reels. You know, we have a content day with our team tomorrow, stuff like that. We batch our podcast episodes as much as we can. Yes. So I think time blocking is a is a great thing if you are someone who utilizes your calendar time blocking and uh, basically protecting that time like during this time I need to do this task then nothing else can intrude right and use your calendar for that but don't anticipate that every day will be the same yeah and be okay with you know oh this week it looks like I'm working every day except for Wednesday Wednesday afternoon is open so I'm going to use the Wednesday afternoon to you know throw a couple loads of laundry in and run to Target. That's okay too. Right. And so we've talked a lot about that. Like as on uh, as an entrepreneur, especially in real estate, we are kind of, you know, we're flexing a lot to our clients' schedules and needs. So our schedules have to shift and we have to somewhat be flexible. But when you have that two hours of time that's like, hey, this is work time, then, then make sure that that two hours you're getting everything in that you need to do. Mm-hmm. And for me, I do like to use my calendar a lot to to put everything in there and have my reminders. But then every day I like to write just like a general to-do list of things that I need to get done. Um, just that way I don't forget something and I can always move it to the next day if I need to. So um, my schedule is a little bit different. I have over 2020 especially, um, I have three kids that I also homeschool. And so in the mornings, I like to try and get our homeschooling done as quickly as possible just in the morning time. Uh, and then we shift and the kids go and play and I usually work from home and so I go in my room and I've got my, my little setup in there and that's when I really like hunker down and get a lot done uh, first thing in the morning though same as Jesse I usually have my to-do list while I drink my coffee and um, I like to kind of hash through some of my emails and just make sure that things are taken care of from the night before yeah. that maybe came through uh, and then I usually shut that down for a good little bit and just focus on the kids real quick Mm-hmm. So everybody's schedules are so different, but no matter what, I think that what you can take away from it is that if you are determined and you are resourceful, you will figure out a way to make it work. I'm a night owl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesse is not. <laughs> so I may stay up later at night kind of working on some things. That's when I feel really creative. And that's actually when I go in and look at my content and different things like that too. Yeah. So everyone is different. And I would just say... Just like you're doing right now by asking us what our schedules look like, don't be afraid to ask other people, people maybe in your area, on your team, things like that, that are successful, ask them what their schedule looks like. And don't be afraid to pick and choose different things from everyone that you talk to or everyone that you hear and implement that into your own. It's a lot of trial and error, you know, like I'm sure Stephanie, you had a lot of trial and error trying to figure out how to balance homeschooling and business, you know, and even before (laughs) that, I'm sure you had as a new agent, you had a lot of, okay, how do I, everybody goes through this. What am I supposed to be doing? right now exactly. everyone goes through that I go through it still even as someone who's two years in the business that's why I was gonna say don't be afraid to like set a schedule and then don't get frustrated when it does have to change yeah. you know I think that especially through this last year we all learned that changes happened 
Mm-hmm. And we just, you know what I mean? You have to roll with the punches and make it work. And so, you know, I was spending a lot of time driving my kids places <laughs> when we were in traditional school before yeah. 2020. And so in my opinion, I've just taken all of that time that I was like driving them to school, from school, to dance, back from dance. And I've just compiled that into my morning mm-hmm. of teaching. So anybody who homeschools knows that homeschooling and traditional school are very, very different as far as like how long it takes to school. Mm -hmm. So my littlest kids, I mean, they're done with school in like a max two hours. Mm -hmm. So I just squeeze it into my day and we get it done. And then I have to be really diligent with the rest of my time. Okay. Um, I, I don't even know. W S I A K I. I don't know. I can't even say it. Saki. I'm sorry. I don't know what it is, so we're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. But your question is important to us. Um, Explanation of points as part of a lender quote, disclosure docs, closing process. So this seems like more of a a question for a mortgage lender. Um, Definitely. I I will be honest. I don't know a lot about points and stuff. I know you can pay pay certain points and sometimes, you know, other other lenders don't disclose the fact that the rates that they're advertising on big, you know, major football commercials, (coughs) um, you know, they don't disclose are with an 800 credit score and you buying down four points or something. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, um, that's about the extent of my knowledge. Um, I actually have some good resources. So if you're on Instagram or TikTok, go to at mortgages.r.boring. Um, his name is Nate Fain. He's in Florida and he shares a lot about points. Um, same with at um, the mortgage mentor and that mortgage guy. All of those They're people so funny. are all so good at explaining stuff like that. So unfortunately, we can't answer your question because we're not licensed mortgage lenders, but go check them out. But and good question and go go see those guys. They are really funny. I love looking at their stuff too. I, <laughs> I get a lot of inspiration from their stuff. <laughs> Definitely. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Oh my goodness. Okay. And last question from Hello Haley Alyssa, our beautiful Haley. Our friend. We love her. <laughs> she, she asked us a question. She is awesome. Okay. What is your favorite thing about being a realtor slash working for yourselves? Um, Number one, working for myself. Yeah. I was just about to say legitimately like working for myself. I never feel like I did well working for someone else, working under someone else. It just never felt right. I don't know. I just would... I just did not put forth my best effort. We need all the types of people in the world, right? Like all the different types and personality types, of course. But there are definitely, you know, people who want to be the worker bees and really succeed in that. And they love it. And they love to know that they're at a nine to five and exactly what they're supposed to do. And then there's people like Jesse and I who just... We love the thrill of being an entrepreneur. It can be really hard sometimes, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, we get to choose like, you know, what kind of marketing do we want to do? And, um, you know, what kinds of clients do we like to take on and how do we want to operate our business? And I think like being able to be the master of that design is really exciting and fun. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, creative freedom that we have when it comes to our businesses 
And even so, I was just thinking, we have a lot of creative freedom just within our team and our brokerage as well. Like, I know there are some brokerages out there that don't let you have your own little personal brand. Like, you have to use their brokerage colors and stuff in your marketing. And I'm just like, that's boring. I have never, ever, 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 anytime I've, I've gone to a brokerage... It has been a number one rule that I can brand myself and that they support all of my efforts on social media. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> because some brokerages, especially when I first started, they were like not cool with social media stuff. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that's a whole nother topic. But <laughs> being somewhere that they support, that is really cool. Yeah. And I mean, I would say, I mean, I'm an Enneagram too, which is the helper. And I love being able to get clients from start to finish. Um, It's super rewarding for me to get them through. And despite what we may have had to overcome during the process and whatnot, just being able to hand over the keys and take a photo of them in front of their new house and, and then proceed to get photos of like decorations and their furniture and like updates that they're making like that's I love that about being a realtor because me too. I'm not an, I'm not a two, but yeah, you're a three, right? I feel like we have some similar uh, traits though. Yeah. I just, at home is such an emotional thing. It's such a Mm -hmm. special thing and the ability to help people start that chapter in their lives or upgrade from that chapter in their lives is very special to me. I love that. I agree. Could not agree more. Yes. Also, I mean, part of the reason why I got into real estate in the first place was um, was like, was a lot of the freedom. So a lot of uh, unlimited salary potential, unlimited income potential, as long as I was willing to work for it, flexible schedule. Yes. Do I work a lot of Saturdays and things? And do I work a lot into the evenings after five o'clock? Yes, I absolutely do. But I also have time blocks. <laughs> I mean, not time blocks, but just blocks of time during the day where I can go get my nails done, where someone who's working a nine to five can't or go to Target or grocery shop or you know whatever exactly. like the freedom is in the fact that I mean if I had a trip planned or something with my kids I could always schedule that time for myself and um, I don't have a boss to ask or yeah <laughs> have I? to get permission so that's huge and I agree with you one of the biggest things that I love be I'm an, I'm a three so I'm an achiever and I love that there is Um, no cap sky is the limit Mm -hmm. you can earn whatever you want um and then since coming to the brokerage that we're at now like i know mind blown emoji that's what needs to go right yeah for real (laughs) so anyways that is our our answer to that yeah (laughs) this was super fun we're gonna have to do this I don't know. Every so often. Once Every a so quarter. often. Yeah, that would be a good thing to, to implement. Do a question and answer. Yeah, thanks for your questions, you guys. And thanks for being patient with us while we figure out our schedule and getting back into the studio to get episodes recorded for you. But we have some really good ones coming up. So if you are not subscribed, make sure to be subscribed. Um, wherever you're listening to this podcast, we are everywhere. You can also go follow us on Instagram at Socially Modern. And you can follow me on Instagram at Miss Jessie Lockhart. And you can go and follow me at Hey Stephanie Mainville. Yay. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye. <laughs>